I like uh, I texted you that like <laughs> my favorite couples <laughs> like <laughs> two hours later I'm like oh shit <laughs> like I almost texted you back but I just couldn't couldn't come up with the cojones to admit defeat there were a few where I had, I'm aware of they're not in games I've played but I'm glad we didn't have to delve into them just because it was like there's no way we can talk about this without <laughs> devolving into <laughs> Like uh, one of them's the Sonic the Hedgehog game where he makes yes. out with makes out with a human. <laughs> yes, yes, horrible. Hello, guys, gals, and non-binary pals. Welcome to Couch Co-op Video Game Podcast. My name's Matt. I'm joined today with Dave and Jack. And we're about to experience what's more or less a book club, only we talk about video games. And normally we start off with discussing what we've been playing for the previous past few weeks. Only in this case, we're all playing the same damn game, so why don't we just make a topic out of it? Boys, let's talk Elden Ring. What were your first thoughts? We actually all hopped on this game Thursday night when it launched. What were first impressions? What were your feelings? Has it lived up to the hype so far? So many different ways we can go, very much like the gameplay itself. So why don't we dive right in? Jack, first thoughts? Well, I have extensive history with Bloodborne and Sekiro, uh, both games that I really liked. And I've, I've talked at length about how much uh, Sekiro just is one of my all-time favorite fighting games. And so I was a little apprehensive going into this game because it's like, what's from software going to do with this gigantic open world? And they kind of started off, I mean, you're in this cave to start off. They do this cool, um, you know, uh, cutscene where there's beautiful visuals and then they dump you into this dark cave and basically they do a little tutorial where you run around and just have awkward stabbing with pretty useless enemies. And, um, and then you open a door and there's this giant open world outside and even though i was expecting it it still kind of like caught me off guard because i'm used to this claustrophobic feeling in these games where you just have these very finite areas and directions you have to go and i didn't really know what to think about it at first um first thing i pretty much did was run into this dude on a horse who spanked me and I was like, okay, well, this, this at least feels, this feels normal. This, this, this is what they do, right? Getting your ass kicked. Um, and then I started to travel and very quickly realized that this was a completely different kind of game than what these guys have done in the past. And um, yeah, I'll, I'll let Dave kind of chime in here about his, his thoughts on, on his initial moments. Um, I, for one, my history with From Software is being carried by Ryan through Dark Souls 3. Um, as much as one can carry another person in that game, there's just parts that you have to do by yourself. Um, so there's some bosses that you have to fight by yourself, but for the most part, Ryan was there on a headset directing me what I should do, what I should pick up, what I should upgrade, what I should avoid, how to use my weapons all that kind of stuff. Really great training. And it ended up being great fun. I tried starting Bloodborne for a bit before I put it down. Um, I think some other games just really kind of pulled my attention away. 
despite the notoriety that Bloodborne has. So I came into this game, Elden Ring, with um, high expectations. I'm a big open world fan. Like if you look at my uh, collection of games, a lot of them are open world. And so I was pretty excited to see what From Software would do with their fighting mechanic applied to an open world situation. So um, I came in with a mix of excitement and nervousness because I understand the challenges from a From Software game. And most of it is really just kind of overcoming your initial panic and then figuring out what it is you need to do. And at, at the very last, looking it up <laughs> to see what you need to do. Uh, but uh, like Jack said, as soon as I opened the door, uh, I was just kind of taken breathless. And then as I progressed through the area, um, Jack and I, I believe, started off at the same time for the most part and kind of ended up just going separate ways. Um, I went right, he went straight, you know, so we had two different situations going on. But uh, everywhere I looked, there was always something that looked interesting and something I was willing to go to. And that was such a great relief because um, I got to say Fallout 4 didn't really inspire that too much. There's there's a few moments where I was like, what's that? That's interesting. I'm going to beeline it. But in this world, uh, specifically, the land in between, um, it, 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 there's just beauty everywhere. There's a foreboding in the sense that, you know, you're going to go down there and you're probably going to get panicked and, you know, chased off by something. And then you're going to have to come back, work up the courage to figure out how to get through it, because probably at the other end of it is something that you're going to want. Um, unfortunately for me, my play style on this game has been pure mages opposed to just like a great sword or a colossal sword build where I just carry the biggest thing I can and start chopping things in half. Uh, it, it's <laughs> the first part was really interesting because there's little to no magic stuff at all. It's all like the sword and shield kind of uh, item drops. So I got kind of nervous, but once I progressed through, you start picking up more items. But overall, um, I think it's met the expectations that I kind of just put on it. I mean, despite the hype train, uh, I've been burned. Uh, Cyberpunk 2077 being, you know, something where it came from a really highly esteemed company and they failed with it. And I wasn't going to say from software was going to fail, but the possibility was there. You know, they were doing something a bit out of their wheelhouse. So, um, yeah. That was just kind of my initial impression was uh, impressed. I was really impressed. Yeah, I've played all from software games in the modern era, with the exception of Dark Souls 3, um, with the caveat being that every time I play one of these games, it's always been well after they've been out for a long time. And so this is the first time I've actually experiencing one of them at launch which is significant because the multiplayer component is a big part of the game. You can choose not to utilize it for certain. And I'll admit there are many times where I elect not to. Um, and that may be why personally Sekiro is probably my favorite from software game, largely because you do play it solo. But with this one, there is something pretty cool about pretty much always having access to multiplayer at any moment because there's so many folks of a similar build um, currently playing 
because that's the other factor too. Like, you know, when I played through Bloodborne, if I summoned somebody in, it was so far after the fact, it's somebody who's got full shit bucket and a half who's run through it so many times that, you know, they can wipe out, you know, any enemy you're facing with one swipe. So it, it's not really benefiting you to bring them in for any of the boss fights because you're not experiencing anything. You're more or less, you just kind of roll around and let them take it out for you. So um, this has been a real pleasure to actually get to experience like that full on just kind of level of seeing so many different people summoning in on different skill levels of different builds, some people who clearly are veterans of the series and some folks who clearly have never played one of these games before or ever. And it's always that crapshoot of seeing who, who you're going to be joined up with unless you're playing with friends. So um, definitely that experience is awesome. I'm glad to be experiencing it. Um, Dave, you bring up an excellent point to the panic component of FromSoft. They do it better than anybody in the sense that they really do create situations where um, you got to get good or give up more or less. And, um, you know, it, that's definitely in the older games, like Jack had, had said, like, it really is a tight confines of unless you get to a level where you beat certain parts of it, you're not going to progress unless you can find a way to get somebody to come in and help you out and wipe everything out for you. So in this one, the open world, it really is fantastic because if you run into one of those, you just fuck off and go do something else and you go level up and you roam around and you see what else is out there. And it completely changes the dynamic of the game is this feels so foreign. The, the progression system feels so foreign from what they have created in the past, where it's basically you just hit these roadblocks and you just have to find a way to overcome them. And this um, I mentioned that guy on the horse, uh, Tree Sentinel, I think his name is. And it is put there very purposely. And that is because it's the first thing you see when you walk out into this world. And you're immediately drawn to this enemy because he's cool. It's this big ass dude running around on a horse. You're like, all right, I'm gonna go fight that dude. And they don't make any hint about what it is. It is a complete, it's just, it's bludgeoned into you this fucker is way more powerful than you are. There's no chance you're going to beat this guy. If you want to try and beat this guy, well, good luck spending the next 30 hours of your life mastering his moves. Um, and what that does is it instantly, and, and this is one of my favorite things about video games, video games that teach you without showing, like without any dialogue. It's when they explain a design choice or a mechanic and they teach you through through just the actual gameplay. And what he does is he kicks your ass so quickly and so thoroughly, you instantly know that one of the most important things about this game is just what Matt said. You're going to be moving on. You're going to be running around. You're not intended to fight everything you need to face right then. You're intended to go build. And to me, it's it's really a, um, it's one of the things that makes this game really amazing. It's also one of the reasons that I like the combat and prior from software games more is because rather than having this um, difficulty designed to perfectly test you, now you have the option of when you're going to face these guys and you can come back over leveled very easily. Um, it's going to take time. You're going to get your ass kicked a lot, but um, 
but it's a completely different uh, progressive progression system than, than prior games. I, I got to bring up that that mechanic. I want to add on to it in the sense that I've seen a lot of videos where people are PVPing each other and me being a mage build, um, I'm particularly interested in this because I've had a few run-ins with NPCs uh, that are invaders. And I've also come across a couple of human uh, invaders. And uh, I gotta say the NPC invaders can dodge pretty well, but the humans obviously do a much better job of it. And that's why I was so interested. I noticed there's something I really noticed. I'm definitely more of a glass cannon kind of build, but a lot of these PVP mages at this point, after what, two weeks of it being out, have got health bars that are just almost like halfway across the entire screen. And uh, that's what Jack, I wanna build on what Jack was saying is that you can come back and square up against everything. And so many farming spots have already been found throughout this world, just places where you can go slaughter sit at a rest, you know, sit at a point of grace, reset it. And then, you know, we're talking about farming 5 million runes at a time. I, I decided that I did want to do some farming. I took the option of building my character up before I went back to some of the parts in Limgrave that were challenging to me. Uh, for one, Agil the dragon was someone that I didn't really approach until I felt like I was at appropriate level. Uh, he killed me a few times, but overall the fight wasn't too bad once I figured out what was happening. Uh, and I got to that by uh, fighting the, I guess you want to say Lindgrave boss, and I was able to farm him. And, you know, this brings in what Matt was saying was uh, the joy of seeing a wave of people that, you know, were struggling against this uh, boss and being able to call in people. So I was able to farm up that that way and I, I i just feel like that there was a big difference um though i fought him probably some 40 times um i was also one getting items from it but i was also helping players progress through the game and on a more devious note i was crashing the percentage for the first trophy which i was petting myself on the back <laughs> i was pretty much handing out free trophies for a bunch of people that probably wouldn't have gotten it if it wasn't for uh, me, so. I think that farming in this game is really interesting. In, in prior software games, um, I always, there's there certain points where I'd get stuck at a roadblock and I'd feel obligated to go farm. And I hate farming. It, it's not my style of play. It's boring, it's repetitive, but to, but to beat those games and to face those bosses, to be competitive at, at my skill level as a gamer, I had to do that. But in this, I have progressed very far into the game and I have not had to farm once. And there are major farming spots, one through cheap ways you can go take out enemies in the game or you can do the way Dave's doing it where you like have this cool experience where you you help somebody and you get you know you get your kicks that way but for me it's the farming is just going and experimenting and i actually feel like i'm kind of over leveled for the area i'm in right now i'm not having very much difficulty with bosses at all 
And it's because I'm so pulled into this world that I just go everywhere and I die a lot. I die everywhere I go. Sometimes I'll go a couple hours without leveling up because I'm just, I'm way in over my head. But the bottom line is there's just so much out there to see and to experience. And you just naturally gain those experience points. And I just think it's, it's so much fun. It's, it's just this entire world. And I, I think that's the real strength of this game is that it's this incredible world to explore. There's mystery everywhere. There's, there's always something to find. It's never, you never know what you're going to see. Um, in all these open world games throughout gaming history, like there's all these little pins and clues and things on a map that show you what you're going to stumble into. And you, you climb up 30 of the exact same tower throughout the game. Well, yeah, there is some repetition in this game, but it's the, the overriding dynamic is that it's this world of excitement and mystery and you get to explore it. And um, I have to say, I, I've annoyed the shit out of Dave this week because I've said this over and over again. But this is the spiritual successor to Breath of the Wild. It absolutely has the exact same open world dynamics and feel of that game. The combat is from software. The bosses, the, the, the visual, but the feeling of this open world, I don't think there's any way in hell that if you honestly ask these developers what they were, what inspired them, they wouldn't, they wouldn't tell you that Breath of the Wild was a huge influence on this game. Yeah, I mean, that was the way it was pitched, and that seems to be exactly what we got. Um, I have to say, you know, personally, I'm not a huge fan of open world experiences. I tend to want to know exactly where I need to go uh, to progress through a game. Um, I usually don't take advantage of a fraction of what's out there when experiencing these sorts of settings. I, I think that's why I hold games like... Uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 to such a high level because they throw in so many of these little, you know, moments that just appear as you're exploring or as you're going to said checkpoint because that you encounter that kind of keep it interesting and remind you that there's a whole world out there that you're experiencing. Uh, similar, you know, GTA series where there's always something that comes up either and, you know, you either get attacked by a random enemy or you just like see something you decide you want to jump off of like there are certain things that remind you that it's an open world and it ultimately it's a playground for you to do whatever you want and and not all games really convey that very well i think uh jack's not so subtle uh allusion to ubisoft games is a perfect example um and it because it's so true like you you just kind of forget that like the whole point of it is supposed to be kind of roaming around and experiencing all facets of it and this game, like, if you're not doing that, then I don't know what the hell you're doing in it, because that's really the whole joy of it, is having no idea what's going on. Everything is so alien and full, weird and just bizarre and creepy, and the only way you're going to figure out what something is is run up to it and poke at it and probably get killed by it, quite frankly. I just got to say, I'm amazed because the strength of from software games has always been these tightly constructed maps. And the strength of this game is the opposite and it's just such a it's just lunacy that they managed to make their the one thing they've never done before the real strength of their game one one magical part about 
playing Dark Souls 3 with Ryan was that it was his fourth pay playthrough, and I'm pretty sure he he had to be at least close to 100, if easily not more, past 100 hours in. He would take me to a spot, and he would say, okay, so this is, we're going to end up there, and this is how we can do it, and we can go a couple of different ways, so which way do you want to go? Or, hey, if you look up, you'll see where we were in comparison to where we got to go next. So, uh, <clears throat> and from what I understand, Dark Souls, yeah, the first Dark Souls game is supposedly has some of the best level designing um, ever created in the way that your initial path through the game kind of takes you down a, what seems like a fairly linear way. And then all of a sudden you realize as you play through that there's all these shortcuts that are built in and it's just a matter of sometimes uh, falling or triggering an elevator that really kind of changes. Now, for them to, with that said, for them to create this world, and and to me, I want to stress that wherever I look almost always has something that I want to go check out. And e even if that means like I'm walking along the cliffside to, a you know, what's going to be the border of the map, you're going to die if you fall off. I catch myself trying to find views over the edge because I know that there's there there could be something that I missed, you know, and I think I came across a boss that Ryan and I ended up talking about it. He's pretty sure that he fought him, but you two gentlemen haven't come across yet. And um, I'm <laughs> I'm excited to get your opinion on this fight, but that'll come at a different time. This world has so many interesting ways also to get from one point to another. Uh, I, I think it's safe to say we've all opened a chest and only for it to smoke up. And the next thing you know, we're in a place where most of the time I've been overpowered. Like I'm not overpowered. I'm, I'm actually trying to figure out where the hell I'm at and how the hell I can get out. From software, they, they make everything so damn difficult. And that's why I'm all the more impressed that they made traversal so easy in this game there's there's your horse which can basically run is faster than any of those enemies who can smoke you in one hit torrent yeah torrent there's the one of the easiest fast travel systems like you don't have to reach a checkpoint as long as you're not actively in a fight you can travel anywhere in the map that you've already previously visited like you were saying dave there's these really cool interesting um short uh, shortcuts into different worlds and i'm uh, sorry to interrupt you but i just yeah absolutely traversal is such a strength of this game well i was going to say actually like this is a one of the few points of contention i can think of with this game is there are schools of thought that you know in making it a more accessible game because this is by far their largest endeavor and it's indicative based on the marketing materials. Like we'll get into it in a minute, like the inclusion of George Martin um, as a part of the team. But but also like, I don't know if you gentlemen have seen, but like there's been so many different styles of like viral marketing. Like Dave had brought up the fact that uh, Dr. Disrespect, the Twitch streamer, former Twitch streamer, now YouTube streamer, whatever the hell platform he's on, um, you know, but professional video game player who, usually is an FPS guy and all of a sudden now he's playing this game and that's a hundred percent a marketing tie-in to draw attention to 
this brand new title. There's plenty of other YouTubers now who are all of a sudden talking Elden Ring like nonstop, even though they've never mentioned from software games ever before. Um, you know, it, this is a series is or a company that is known for making very difficult, inaccessible games for many people. But because of that, they've built up such a reputation that there were always a lot of anticipation. And so you're going to get a lot of noobs to this series. And the manner in which they've made it more accessible for some of the grizzly old veterans, they may have issues with it. Things like the fast travel, the inclusion of torrent that makes it so you, in theory, can skip past a lot of these difficult fights if you need to. The fact that they've made it so there's so many more checkpoints versus in some of the old Soulsborne games, it seems like you can slog through two hours straight of, of you know, vicious combat before you even get a chance to consider saving. So, you know, they have added these certain elements. Me personally, I enjoy it. I like it because it allows me those moments where I get frustrated to make those decisions. Like, do I call somebody in here? Do I warp somewhere else and do fuck off, do something else? Do I just blow by these guys because I've killed them 80 times already and I really don't care anymore because they're not offering me enough runes to care? So, Wolves. Yeah. Sorry. So, I mean, with that being said, it's like, how do you gentlemen feel on, on some of these issues of making this game more, this world universe more accessible to the masses versus being more of a kind of get good or get out sort of club? Uh, I... I this kind of ties into what I wanted to ask you two guys, but from my perspective, all right, all right. So as much as this game is beautifully designed open world that from software hasn't done, and it's got a lot of people's interest, a lot of this game is based off a of battle. And there's this, and this is where I think we could tie in with each other is that this experience changes with how you choose to handle battle. Um, I'm a mid range, you know, I can take one hit and maybe another, but usually just one hit before I die. I, I, I might be able to, you know, get lucky enough to add on to my health to survive another quick hit. But, um, you know, that, that, that experience has been really different for me than it has been for you. And uh, the proof was in the first boss where I finished it on my first go in under 200 seconds. If you take out the cutscenes, you know, whereas there's a lot of other people that were struggling with it. And so <clears throat> for me, my experience changes. Well, that was a really funny moment because I, you know, we've experienced so much of this game together that when we reached him together, I was like, Dave, we're going to fight this guy separately, but I want us both to jump in so we can experience it together and have this like moment together. And I was stoked, you know, and then meanwhile, 200 seconds later, like you said, you're like, yeah, that guy was easy. I just sent a bunch of shit at him and I bombed him from far. I think he hit me once. I got like smoked like 10 times. And these are like four or five minute battles. like where I'm like, keep trying to keep my distance and find my moments. And an hour later, like my wife's come home from work. She's chewing me out about not doing the dishes and I'm getting all pissed off because I'm trying to beat this boss and my friend just smoked like a Philly blunt and my wife's chewing me out about the dishes. So rather than being a good husband, I'm like, I'll get them done later. <laughs> and um, yes, you just shine this bright light on. There's so many different ways to play this game and uh, so many different strengths and weaknesses to the different characters. And sorry, go, go on. I just, I thought that was a really like fun moment that that we share i don't know if fun's the right word <laughs> a, a telling moment that we 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 share together so. i 
I had a lot of fun um, and I'm having a lot of fun that we're playing, we're approaching this differently. I'll be honest, me going into a cave, that's when my palms get the sweatiest. Um, my magic takes, my damage takes a bit of time to get out and close quarters in the cave. No good for a mage. No, man, it's, it's one of the more dangerous aspects of this game for me. So when I see one, I kind of got to figure out, Hey, are these small little ads that I'm running around? How many times am I having to hit them before they die? You know, and if it's something that seems like, okay, it's moderate, maybe two, two hits, I could finish it. It's something I'm going to approach. I'm going to get more interested in. If it's something where I hit them with a strong spell and maybe uh, a 10th or 15th of their health bar came off, um, I'm probably going to say, hey, there might be a different approach. I'm going to run through this. And there's, there's a few items in this game that I got via information off the web. And I knew to make a beeline for one point. And that was some of my exploring. And it's something I'm trying to mitigate. But um, I also don't have the hundreds of hours to really kind of explore this, I think, to a T that I would like to. So I am taking advantage of some stuff. But my approach has been basically, if it's out in the open, I'm, it's fair game. I'm probably going to have a fairly moderate time at defeating this so this game i don't want to say has been easy but it's definitely much easier than dark souls 3 in the sense that dark souls 3 i got one way to get through this and unfortunately my build is just not the best approach to this fight so it's going to take a lot of effort for me to figure out how i don't get hit and how i can do damage um you know and in this game that that tension is off but it's more which area am I going into and what am I, how am I affecting the local, you know, population of enemies. And it, it's just been really interesting because there's some parts where I get away with standing on a cliff and they can't get to me. I'm just like, take that. And then there's times where I'm coming around a corner and some goblin just jumps out of the corner and, you know, all of a sudden I'm panicked rolling everywhere and I, I can't lock on because the lock on mechanics a little off and the camera's going everywhere. And this thing is like cutting into me. And, you know, luckily I'm close to a, a point of grace and I can go pick up my runes and then be more ready for it. So um, I don't want to say that this game is inapproachable, but um, I think, like I said, what I want to say is, you know, our ex everyone's experience is going to be a little different in, I was just going to say that's a really interesting question you posed, Matt. Um, the the dichotomy between this accessibility that they're trying to introduce into their games, and the fact is that they're not an, an accessible video game company, and um, that this on a adventure on a open world, this world to go explore is incredibly for everyone like anyone could find enjoyment in this but but what they did is they took two mechanics from the previous games and plopped them into this world and one is incredibly difficult combat where you get killed very easily and two is this inaccessibility of where to go and what to do next and that is one of my biggest complaints about this game and that is that this is a world to go explore. And I want to do that without any kind of spoilers. 
I want to just experience this myself, but some of the most basic things you need in this game, you cannot get without either talking to a buddy like Dave, who, um, well, I'll, I'll give you a background. I played the first 15 hours of this game blind, except for the information Dave gave me. And that information is crucial. If I hadn't gotten it, I would have gotten crushed. Yeah, as I toured him, it's a good thing you stopped listening because your strength would have been way higher than it should have been. All well, right, Jack, I've played these games before. You're going to go strength, bro. <laughs> well, you, you fed me what you were reading online, and I tried to ignore all that, and, and that's one of my complaints about this game is about 15 hours in, I realized that you need the online guidance. And that would be what I would recommend to anybody jumping into this game. Don't try and run it blind. I know that's lame. I know there's so many people who are going to push back on that. But but my recommendation for any casual or even just not incredibly hardcore gamer is, look, there's so much in this game that is not explained that, that will just make your game way more enjoyable if you go online. And I think that's a flaw in a game that's based around exploring this world. That's fair. I mean... I will say that personally to me is also though kind of the point of the soul series in that it really, this game is meant to punish you, but because it's meant to punish you, it's everything's fair game. It's, this isn't like a game where it truly is like a classic, like, you know, side scroller where you just run through it so many times that you memorize every frame and until you get it right. This is, this game will cheat. It will fuck you up. It will knock you through walls. It will do all sorts of things. But guess what? You can do it right back to them. And we've all done it. And you haven't played these games right unless you've had a moment where you find out you can hit a, an enemy through a wall and they can't hit you and you cheese them to death. The cheese is definitely funky in this game. It, it, it is. And I'm sure that's part of making it the open world. But but that's part of the fun of these games to me has always been that it's like, hey, if you find a way that you can take out some boss without him being able to hit you do it, because the game would do it right back to you in a heartbeat if it, if it had the way to detect it. Uh, my favorite one of all time has always been the first my first encounter with this series, Demon Souls. My brother picked it up years and years ago. And I remember him telling me the first boss he beat was this dragon that swoops in over this bridge and breathes fire. It's instant death if you get anywhere near it. But there's this one little ledge you can shoot arrows at that take off like maybe eight hit points. And this thing has like 10,000 hit points. But he went and bought tons and tons of arrows and just sat there for hours just shooting this thing. It finally died and he got like hundreds of thousands of souls and he leveled up enough to actually make the game fun for him. But then he found out way after the fact, it's like, no, 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 no. Like that wasn't meant for you to really kill. I mean, you can kill it because it's dark souls, but um, you were supposed to either come back or do something else. But, but I'm not going to lie. When I played through Demon Souls, I did the same damn thing because leveling up early with knowing you don't have to come back for that tough boss fight, screw them. Like, because again, I've died enough cheap deaths and not feel any shame over that. Uh, I, all right. I, I guess this is a spoiler, but I mean, I can't not bring this up. But Marky is the gatekeeper for the last boss. And I want to say he's a gatekeeper not only in this lore. But I, I would say in this game, he is really kind of the big first litmus test that a lot of these players are going to come across 
that um, may, may or make or break your experience. And the thing is, the first time I fought him, I died. The second time, I had two katana wielding mofos that just kept him occupied while I just barraged him with uh, meteorites. And that was you two guys. Um, just to note, I love playing this game with you guys because I feel like I have two bodyguards, you know, that are running in front of me. And, just, and so, uh, but that was my experience with Margie. And then, you know, you move on through the game and you come across uh, the final boss for uh, Limgrave. I put that in quotations because you can totally get around his castle and explore all the other areas past him. You don't have to fight him to progress through the game. But if you want to, to build your character up, it's probably the best way to go. But I, I fought the gatekeeper with your guys's help. And uh, the biggest rage videos come from that fight where people who don't know or don't understand how this game works is where they hit that wall so well and i think there's one i think the one of the fun things about that fight is it's way more similar to pass from software fights than most of the bosses in this it's like very choreographed uh fight um patterns that you have to memorize and counter and that's that's i mean that's this studio to a t um, but going back to like the cheese versus cheese thing you were saying matt I think a great example is when we were, uh, the three of us were traveling through earlier in that, and there was this mini boss, this night in this night in this room where I was like, I was like telling you guys, I'd been through the area and I was like, all right, you go here, you go here. I'm like, okay, there's this badass night up here. We do not want to fuck with this guy. He will, he will F us up. So what we're going to do is we're going to post up outside the door. We're going to lead him to us. And then we're going to cheese him through the wall. Okay. Cheese him through the wall. I, I did this. It works perfect. And so we started doing that, but he swiped through the wall and <laughs> started hitting us. <laughs> and my initial impression was like, well, this is bullshit. He can swipe through the wall, which is exactly what my whole plan was to beat him. <laughs> and just like, yeah, like you were saying that whole, they will cheese the shit out of you and you will cheese and whatever advantage, whatever advantage you can get. Um, that's it's, it's, it's fair game, but but one of the things I don't like about that is it does, it does, once again, it leads to um, the opposite of that mechanic. I love it when a game teaches you how to play rather than you having to read stuff to learn it. And it totally is like, go online. You can learn all the tricks to beat every single guy. It makes the game way easier, but it also makes it way less interesting. It, it takes the mystery and excitement out of a lot of it. Yeah, which goes back to personally Sekiro. That's why it's my favorite because I felt like every moment of that game as I progressed was me learning new skills or having to hone in certain ways to defeat certain enemies. Um, I The boss fights on these are fun when I play with you two guys and they are fun on occasion when I play with random you know, folks from online just because the nature of online play in, in Souls games is so unique in that you don't really have any rapport with folks. You just kind of are filling it in yourself. Everyone just kind of like, you know, maybe waves when you appear. There's there's no, no rapport in repeated squatting. <laughs> That's what I mean, though. It's it's so fun. Like, you don't really know where you stand with these people. Like, some of them acknowledge you. I've seen people who blatantly, like, turn their back on me. When I've seen ones where it's obvious it's some noob who's got, like, a bunch of mismatched armor that, like, thinks I'm a badass because I outrank him. But, in fact, I'm just there to, like, farm runes and have no idea how I'm going to do anything. So, 
there's definitely like that component to it but at the same time like with these bosses i also find that a lot of the time most of the time i'm in a group most of the time i'm just kind of in the periphery trying to bide my time getting a few hits and contribute but i don't find myself charging in there and actually getting engaged with a real like battle so much on my own too often dave you're playing the mage build how do you feel like do you find yourself taking on more bosses solo or are you do you tend to summon in as well uh no margie well i gotta say this with quotations because the nature of my build and what jack had said you could approach this problem so many different ways um margie was the only one i summoned anyone in to help me out uh that was you and jack I have summons of my own as the mage. Uh, I have the FP bar that can support calling them. I have the intelligence stats that you know allow me to uh, use them. And I use them with great efficiency. Whenever I feel like there's a difficult situation, I will call on them to draw attention. And that's really kind of just how my, my game is built, you know? It's, and that's why I love that playing with you guys is so much fun because uh, that enemy is going to aggro onto you two guys. You're the closest and you're probably doing the most uh, consistent damage to it because you're so close, you know, and you're, you're samurais. So um, I, I really get to play my game where I, I'm just bombarding it from medium range, but um, there are bosses that I have to fight solo and um i enjoy it there's a big thrill um i feel like i i'm experienced enough in this to where just because there's a pillar between me and him doesn't mean that he won't hit me so you know it's definitely something and the thing is my magic really doesn't go through walls maybe there's a couple of spells that kind of clip through walls here and there so i i really get to take advantage of that and uh it's been a blast i love it i love the fact that so far up to this point most bosses i've been able to figure out um how to defeat and i'm dreading the ones in the future i know that are going to be really really tough for me even if the beginning stuff tends to be a little bit easier well i'm not sure how i feel about the spirits and I'm not sure how I feel about the combat in general in this game. I think the variety of enemies is incredibly impressive. It's one of my favorite things about this game. The design of them is beautiful. So many bosses, you just, as they kind of, you know, they have that moment where they like announce themselves and you see that, that motion of them kind of coming to life to come grab you. And it's so impressive, but the actual combat of those, Coming from, um, I mean, Sekiro, it, it's like this, it's like this choreographed dance where you have to learn every single nuance and and react accordingly, and everything is so precise and it's just so responsive. The way you move feels so fluid, and I don't get that feeling in this game. The boss fights are definitely interesting. Um, not only visually are they there's a lot of variety, but the, the way you have to tackle them. But there's way more cheese. There's way more like just kind of laying back and waiting for your moment. And there's just 
and may, maybe this is just me, but I do not get the same level of precision that I've gotten from the, the prior um, software games. Now, I'm curious, Matt, did you have the same experience where you just don't feel like it's it's that same level of tightness? I, I'm glad you brought it up because that's what I was alluding to. I mean, because I, you and I are playing the same build. We're both samurai. And that very much is my experience with it. I feel like there are so many of these bosses where I have the pattern. I figured out the pattern. The problem is I feel like I get clipped so many times on some bullshit. And once you get knocked down once, you're pretty much dead against half of these, these big bads you're going up against just because by the time you recover, they're more or less on top of you. I mean, look, you can run away. You can try to recover. I certainly have, but it's not the kind, most of the time with the boss fights, I feel like it's once I go down, it's, it's pretty much over and I have to come back and try it again. Um, it, it doesn't feel very precise. And I think a large part of that is because I think it is intended to be played either with the ashes or with multiplayer, because I think so many of these herky jerky clipping motions that we're referring to are the result of the bosses being programmed to kind of be taking on three enemies at once. And so because of that, it is kind of set up where it makes these last second adjustments, which wouldn't be a big deal if you have three different people jumping all around, pulling it in different directions. But when it's just you playing it and you have maybe, or you have one Ash with you, it tends to clip you a lot. The hit boxes feel really off on certain bosses as well. And maybe this is just, I mean, the sheer scale, rather than having like these 15 bosses that you just get down to a T, you've got 80 bosses in this giant world. And how do you make everything as precise when you're just dealing with that level of scale? Uh, it's an excellent point as well. But, and some of it too, though, is the fact that, you know, as Ryan had mentioned when he joined us and we talked about just kind of the Soul series as a whole, I think he brought up an excellent point that these games are designed to be played the way you feel. And the Mage class is a huge way to play through these games in, in order to balance that gameplay versus the gameplay that Jack and I aspire for more, which is more the deep and dirty barbarian with a club kind of <laughs> just charge in there and roll out of the way and smash it till it falls kind of <laughs> gameplay. Um, you know, that there has to be that middle ground and, you know, personally, I feel like it skews to for the boss fights specifically um, to be a little more conducive to playing in the mage class and not as fun playing with the melee class, but um, we'll see. You know, I also believe that, like David said, going through caves and stuff like that, I probably have a hell of a lot easier time navigating those portions. So I think there is plenty of balance in that regard. Uh, I do want to bring up the sheer amount of experience I have in Monster Hunter World and playing with a, a musical weapon called a hunting horn. So that, that close battle aspect is uh, fairly comfortable and that's why I feel comfortable playing Mage because there are moments when I can't use my summons. Um, and I have to rely on my ability to read what's gonna come next and the timing on it. Um, it I'm never perfect, but you know, so far I've been able to get through almost all the bosses by myself, so. Well, speaking yeah. of perfect and reading, actually, one thing I did want to bring up was George R. R. Martin's inclusion in this series, if only because plot points are a big uh, factor for me in gaming. And I, honestly, this was an area I was very concerned 
for these ga- this game was bringing him aboard and how much would that take away because the Soul Series historically has not really had a lot in the way of plot until folks kind of built the lore seemingly out of nowhere. Um, you know, I, from what I understand, there was always something, but it was never really put to the forefront until people ask. So uh, a lot of it is hidden and very like uh, you need to really dive into those games to really get the information out. But there are stories there. There's a lot of lore. And but sorry. No, no, it's it's a great point. <laughs> I was just going to say, yeah, it's a great point. And I, I was going to say I was very concerned that they were going to overcompensate by bringing in Martin. But I actually kind of appreciate that it seems to be more or less the same. Like there's obviously a bit more plot than have ever been. But at the same time, it feels like they also have left it in a realm of if you give a shit, you'll find it or explore it or listen to the cutscene. But if you just want to run through and smash things and explore, you can also do that. And it's not going to make a difference. Well, I know the influence is minimal because there hasn't been any incest yet that I have seen. Um, but no, uh, all jokes aside, the the real reason I know the influence has been minimal is this doesn't feel like anything other than a previous Souls game. It's got the same damn completely opaque plot that, yeah, you can jump on YouTube and watch a two-hour video about somebody breaking down all the little details and how they all connect and and more power to you because I think that's an awesome way to spend a couple hours to really enjoy a game that you're into. But, um, but the bottom line is this is the exact same song and dance that we've had before from, from software games. And I am very, I, I'm just, I'm convinced that the whole George R. R. Martin thing is exactly what Matt was saying earlier. This whole game is designed to bring in the casual audience and that's that name um while i don't see it at all but it it is part of what they're trying to build with this game they've got this huge open world they're like saying hey guys we make awesome games and yeah you're gonna get your ass kicked but come experience it and and maybe george rr martin is more it's just a flag than anything else it's it's just a you know it's just an icon we're, we're, we're going to take Bonfire, cross out, and we'll turn this into Grace. <laughs> and then instead of Titanite, cross out, we'll call it a Smithing Stone. <laughs> All right. I think that's the bare minimum. See you later, Miyazaki. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. sound like he's denied that everything i've read is basically yeah i didn't really have much to do with this shit (laughs) but you know what it's a badass game (laughs) i thought it was brilliant marketing and i think it it brings in exactly who they want to check it out so um and i'm glad that they didn't allow it to interfere with what they do um which is a huge testament to their vision so i i give them a lot of credit that um jack you had a few you know you're always wanting to make a list so you had a few questions i thought recorded so did you want to run through a few of those before we depart here um well shoot i'll be honest i think we've uh i think we've really kind of touched on a bunch of these um yeah uh, i basically i had this list of all these different design choices that i felt like made this game unique from previous games and um 
we we've dug deep we've, we've really gone into this so i'll i'll turn it uh to a, another direction and i just want to i just want to ask you guys where are you in this game uh spoiler free and how do you feel about it the totality of your experience thus far um dave why don't, why don't i kick it off to you i am i guess 45 hours in and level 70 I um, I pretty much can walk through Lemgrave with little no concern about anything, but uh, there are parts onto either side of you know that that starter part that uh, still give me some challenges. You know, like today I came across I was looking for a item, and I saw enemies that look like enemies that I usually own. And next thing you know, I'm running out of that building as fast as I possibly can. And, you know, I was doing the backward roll into corners and I'm like, ah, panicking and, you know, poison's building up on me. And I finally, luckily there's a grace right outside that. So I just dropped down, activated the grace, took a deep breath. Um, but I, I am at a point now where I feel like, um, I'm about to hit a story wall. Like if I want to progress, there's a boss or bosses that I need to go. And uh, these aren't going to be like minor bosses. These are going to be probably one of them is going to give me a really, really hard time in my game. And, you know, I'm just kind of trying to prepare for it. So I kind of jumped on and uh, found out how I can upgrade a certain weapon I obtained. And I'm kind of beelining it for that before I decide to grow, start scaling um, the ice wall, so to say, quotation marks. A little shout out to Martin. That, that was a long answer. Dave, do, do you like this game? Yes. I like it a lot. I like this game a lot. Um, I haven't really gotten frustrated to the point where I want to throw it away. Um, I'm, I'm only sad that I don't have more time in my life at this point. If this would have came out during the pandemic, uh, it's been awesome. That just shows how spoiled we are as one human beings in this particular place in the universe that you just said you played 45 hours in two weeks. You're sad that you don't have more, more time. <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile the ukrainians are not buying the game so that they can defend their home so yeah uh, just in, in in the order of the universe uh 45 hours in two weeks is, is pretty damn good um okay um, let me on that note let me shoot it over to you matt well as much as i wish i had 45 hours to commit in two weeks um i'm maybe just above uh i want to say high 20s uh, I want to say I'm like in the high 30s for a level, maybe maybe more mid. Doesn't really matter. Um, I'm playing the Samurai class, like I mentioned, and uh, at times I regret that decision. At times I think it's badass. I really like the special ability, the Unsheath. I think it's actually been the thing I utilize more than anything. Um, at the same time, I do get frustration, I think, just mainly from the melee combat in general. It, it's does bug me at a bunch of times where I feel like um, there are areas of the game where I feel kind of second guess maybe if I should have put more attributes into certain things other than just strength, dexterity, and endurance. But uh, 
Uh, particularly as the more weapons I'm collecting, it seems um, none of them I can really use because they require intelligence and faith and all these other wacky stats I've been ignoring. Um, I'll just point out, and I think this is important for all of our listeners, is that um, you get to a point fairly early in the game, maybe less than halfway, I would say, where you can respec your character. Yeah, and... and great to, to bring up and i definitely have considered that a few times but i'm gonna roll with it because you know i'm stubborn and again i do really like the unsheath i think it's awesome um i very much enjoy the fact that this is a from software game i feel like i can play in my normal busy life um the other ones i enjoyed but i would have to be pretty much in a place where i could focus in a ton of attention and i don't always have that this is a game I can play and like you had mentioned, Jack Gang chewed out about the dishes. I can have that happen and be playing this game and not feel like I'm at risk of losing 10,000 souls or whatever from getting to point A to point B. And it's going to ruin my whole week if I end up losing those 10,000 souls um, just because there are all these extra save points now or the world is set up where it's so much easier to escape if you really have to. So um, it, it's certainly a much more casual experience than any from software game I've experienced. I don't have a problem with that because I do think it's one of the first open world games I enjoyed being somebody who never played Breath of the Wild. Um, Sekiro is still my favorite, but yeah, that's where I'm at on it. Yeah, I think um, it's interesting because Sekiro was just such a amazing game to experience i i love the boss fights in that there i i there's no way any of the boss fights in this game uh at, at least up until now are going to touch like my top five from that game but that being said this open world is absolutely incredible and is really has made this a really special experience for me Everything like I experienced playing Breath of the Wild years ago, it's basically that feeling, but you also have this really cool combat system that you get to and, and challenge. And I, I love challenging games. Um, some of the systems are obtuse. Some of the where you're supposed to go is obtuse in this game. And that uh, it takes a little bit away, but, but the bottom line is I think this game... Uh, could be something when it, when it's all said and done has the potential to be a special experience for me. Uh, definitely a game of the year, early game of the year contender. And um, I, I'm really, I'm just really curious to see where, where, where it kind of goes from here and, and how I feel when it's all said and done. Cause so far I have been blown away by how pulled into this world I am and, and just every corner, every turn, there's something interesting and cool and, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm deep, you know, like I should be, I should be, I should be running into the same repetitive bullshit over and over. And, and every time I play, I get, I see something incredibly cool. Jack brought that up a few nights ago where after we broke out of Stormvale, which is kind of the big boss area for Lingrave, he kind of brought that up because once you go on the other side of that castle, it's some more grass, it's more hills, it's some more broken architecture, trees, uh, some standing water. 
with some animals, but um, as you progress further into that, it begins to get its own identity and you start to understand how uh, different it is from the first area. And then if you go to another area, it looks uh, alien. Like, you're like, wow, what happened here? You know, so you get that curiosity from it. And, you know, I think that that, that was cool uh, for one moment for Jack to be like, oh, you know, it's been pretty cool, but, and then a few days later, it's, okay, I spoke too soon because I just didn't explore enough yet, you know, so. Absolutely. That was, that was like my biggest disappointment of the gameplay of this is you find this whole new area and I was like, what, this is just the same. And then like Dave said, like I start going different directions in every single direction I go, there's something, there's just a completely cool new atmosphere or biome and, and yeah. I, I have to agree with you, Jack, this, i very very curious to see what game has a chance to to beat this one out for game of the year for me already um just based on the amount of immersion the just how i'm still like like you said it perfectly it's like no matter how many hours i put in it seems like i'm still finding new stuff or things i want to come back and check out when i know i'm more leveled up and and better equipped to actually take it on um you know, there's all these little boss fights scattered throughout that, you know, if it's too tough, I ignore it and I come back and, you know, sometimes I smash them. Sometimes, you know, I get my ass kicked, but um, again, it's not hindering me from progressing if I decide to with the rest of the game. So um, it, it's a fantastic world. I've very much enjoyed it and I'm damn impressed. Like other than maybe one evening we all played together where uh, I believe the network went down for, you know, a small amount of time. I haven't really experienced anything too buggy on it for a brand new game, which is damn impressive, especially when you consider that you two gentlemen are playing on PS5 and I'm playing on PS4, um, you know, other than some lag, but that's internet issues. In this day and age, how polished this game is, and, and there's a lot of choppiness to this, but that's always been the studio there's always been it, it's never been perfect um they they thrive in amazing combat and and uh, design but there's always been some choppiness and some there's just something that's a little bit off and they just create this huge undertaking and it is it is tight for what it is i mean in today's day and age to to have something come out where on day one you don't have any real issues. It's an achievement. Yeah, it sure beats the hell out of uh, Dave and I playing Cyberpunk at launch, that's for certain. Yeah, I, I also want to bring up this idea that uh, single player games are dead. And I believe someone had posted a player count with Battlefield 1 and Elden Ring in 580k you know versus i think 10k if not less um is a testament that if you design something that is gonna bring people in despite them not being used to that kind of experience and keep them hooked because one experience that really i think drew me in was jack and i this is opening night we got the game going we go down to Aguil Lake 
and the Agil dragon comes down and we got this amazing spectacle with a oh crap moment you know we're, we're both like saying run and you know we end yeah. up having a good laugh about it you know and we're just like kind of stunned and the thing is I still get moments like that as I go around you know um you know there's things I run into where I'm just like whoa what's happening here a huge fight I'm glad you said that spectacle that's um something we haven't really just announced and, and it deserves to be so because this game there's a spectacle around every corner yeah there's spectacle around every corner and also like I, again something to be said for playing it early on because I, again playing these games later on like i remember logging into i think it was dark souls 2 and i summoned in somebody and it literally they crouched twice and then they ran me through like this entire section and they were not gesturing towards all these hidden paths and they were basically cleared the whole thing out for me it was the most boring obnoxious experience ever of just being like so why am i here like it wasn't like like the guy just run through it so many times that you just like pretty much pinpoint every secret I could possibly find in this little section. So well you called them in. <laughs> so I mean, don't, don't hate. <laughs> it's well, very similar actually to plumber me summoning a plumber to help me take on a boss and him telling me, oh man, you gotta watch the cinematic. It's so cool. This is so badass. Then proceeds to talk to Jack throughout the whole damn cinematic. <laughs> <laughs> that was cracking me up i even called him out on that i was like plumber let him watch the damn video <laughs> dude dude's about to chop his arm on and lock it into a dragon head <laughs> you gotta watch this. this is so cool man it's like one of the greatest things hey jack so anyway <laughs> uh matt i know we're winding it down but i gotta i gotta build on what you were just just saying and that is um I don't know how I feel about jumping into this way more accessible, way more popular from software game on day one, because messages littered everywhere. And it doesn't add anything to the experience to walk up to every single damn wall that looks like it could have an, a hidden path in it to have some message say hidden path behind. And then half the time right next to it, liar. <laughs> like, I mean, anybody who, who plays these games knows what I'm talking about, like this message system. But in this, it is so bombarded, overly bombarded by just asshole trolls. And it's incredible that people have this much time to just drop these everywhere. Um, but that being said, there's there's some really cool things about it, like these hidden paths like um, that are in the dark. People drop all these signs and they're almost like uh, lidded, lidded pathway stones that wouldn't be there if they weren't there. And um it's i don't know it's just this stupid dynamic where you just have a million assholes dropping their it, it's it's the internet it's the internet just to a t <laughs> it's so true and, and and i do remember the older games that used to be like way more fun because there were would be like a section where there weren't nearly so many around where it would say like oh like hidden path ahead or whatever and it would end up making you jump off a cliff and then some troll who has no idea that you just did that is just secretly laughing to himself in his little lair but um but you're right jack this one it's like ob obscene the amount of stuff just all around and so much of his dumb shit and quite frankly a few times i swear it's gotten me killed because i inadvertently open up the message when i'm trying to actually access my inventory and <laughs> all of a sudden i get smashed so um yeah i haven't enjoyed that as much but um everything else i have 
very much at launch. Gentlemen, anything else you'd like to bring up about your first impressions on Elden Ring? I think uh, I think we need to explore uh, getting invaders into our world and marking them. Yeah, I, th- I think that actually you know, that, could be a fun next phase. It, it, it's a part of the game. Yeah, you know? agreed. If you're, if you're going to play it with homeboys or help, there's an opportunity for someone to come in there and take a shit on it, you know, and it's happened a few times. So, um, yeah. That's a great point. I, I would like to do that, actually. It'd be a great way to level up. It, it would make a fun night, that's for sure. All right. Well, we'll have to uh, definitely put that one onto the list. So, all right. If there's anything else not to be said, this has been Couch Co-op Video Game Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Take care.